Hey GCS New Teachers! It's Crystal Vandiver, your Director of New Teacher Support. And I'm so happy to welcome you to Episode 2 of our Anchor Point series for new teachers and friends of new teachers. Thank you for being with us today. You know, I'm still thinking about Episode 1 that talked about seven things effective teachers do daily. And one thing that keeps spinning around in my mind is they smile. And I just think back to my time as a teacher and I just think, wow, smiling really was an intentional act that made such a big difference. But you do sometimes have to tell yourself to smile. So I know that today is going to be just as exciting for you because we're going to transition into talking about seven things effective teachers don't do. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to our podcast hosts, Crystal and Sarah, and um, we'll take it away. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. This is Sarah Campbell. Welcome to the second installment, I guess we'll say, of the 2021 to 2022 Anchor Point series. We are excited to have you all here. Um, I hope that you had a chance to listen to our last podcast, which um, was shared with you guys last week. It originally aired on September 15th. If you did not have a chance to listen to that, please take some time in the near future to do that. Um, There's some great content there that we think will be helpful. As a reminder, this is our um, anchor point. Our title for this one is Effective Teachers. This is a bit of a sequel to what we did two weeks ago. So once again, we welcome you back and we want to share our mission and vision here in Guilford County Schools. Transform our vision is transforming learning and life outcomes for all children. And we hope that you are able to walk away with some strategies and information that will add value to that mission and that will help you to realize that vision for your student. As a quick reminder of of who our team is, um, there's me, Sarah Campbell. My colleagues are Adam Johnson, Crystal Johnson, who is here today as well, um, Allison White, Leslie Allred, and then a special welcome to our newest coach, Tasha Wall. She just joined us, our team, last week. And so we are really excited to have her with us. She is going to be supporting a lot of you guys. She is awesome and brings a lot of great experience. So we're excited for the work that she will do with us this school year. And then, of course, we have our director, Crystal Vandiver, who is in the wings listening now. All right, so we are officially in fall. And this is my favorite season. I think anytime that we have the beginning of a season, it's a good time to stop and reflect and think about things that you're looking forward to, think about Um, kind of reflect on the previous season and um, so as we start today's anchor point I want to see what are you most looking forward to in this next fall season I will say that I am most looking forward to some cooler temperatures and to just some new beginnings what are you most looking forward to Justice said the leaves changing color Crystal Johnson what are you looking forward to I think I have to go with justice. I'm definitely um, itching to go to the mountains. I'm definitely going to bypass the fall bloom that happens in Boom, where everybody all over the country comes. I definitely don't want to be in that chaos, but I definitely want to make it to the mountains to see the colors change in the very, very near future, like at least in the next couple of weekends. Yeah, I think probably the peak time will be closer to the end of the month of October, maybe. In North Carolina, I'm kind of a northern girl, and so I'm used to the peak time being sooner, but I think it's later October, if I'm remembering correctly. Reggie said less heat. 
All right. Thank you all for sharing. Those of you listening, um, just kind of think of something. What are you most looking forward to? It's always nice to set our eyes forward. All right. So I wanted to share a few reminders. And um, so this one is a reminder for anyone, regardless of when you started and attended orientation with us. Um, all of you guys at this point, and for some of you, it could be um, September 30th, which is tomorrow as your due date, but all of you guys should have completed what's called the Form 10. And that is the form that you will complete with your school-based mentor. You should have already been assigned a school-based mentor. And so this is just a very quick, brief form that you complete with that mentor and um, submit it. And then we have record that you've done that. That's one of your orientation requirements. So just wanted to remind you all that that should be complete. And like I said the last time, you guys all have different start dates and you attended in different orientation months. And so your new teacher orientation requirements are different. And so I don't, I, I won't take the time to go through what all of those are, but I do want to just kind of throw out a few that could be relevant to you. If you attended orientation with us in July or August, then you have, you should have completed your form 10, as I mentioned. And you also have a really big um, due date tomorrow, September 30th, which is for that classroom design course in Canvas that you all were assigned and told to have complete by September 30th. So that's tomorrow. Again, the classroom design course, which you can find in Canvas. If you're not sure then where to find it, then please reach out to your new teacher support coach and we can help you get, figure that out. Again, that's only for people who attended orientation in July or in early August, the very first week of August. If you did not attend those months, that does not apply to you. If you attended orientation in September, so the beginning of September, then um, watching an anchor point, listening to an anchor point is one of your requirements. And so make sure that you either get signed in today and the sign in link is in the chat bar, or that if you're listening to this, that you wait till the very end and send me the code, the little phrase that I will share at the end of this podcast, send that to me in an email and I will mark that off as one that's having completed that requirement. Um, some of you guys also have, if you attended an orient orientation in um, September, you may also have some classroom observations to have completed as part of your orientation and those are also due tomorrow. And some of you across the board may have missed sessions and are required to watch a recording of that session as one of your as one of your new teacher orientation requirements. So make sure that that is done also by tomorrow. Most likely I would have reached out to you and shared this with you in an email. So if you are if you haven't been contacted, then you can probably assume that you have met all of your requirements. But feel free to reach out to us if and when you have questions about any of those. As a reminder, our text for this our anchor text for this podcast are we have our three different books that we're that we're sort of focusing on. One of them is called 180 Days of Self-Care for Busy Educators. The author for that is Tina Bougerin. She wrote another text called Beginning Field Guide or sorry, Field Guide for Beginning Teachers, which is a great resource for you guys. Check that out. Feel free to, you know, look it up on Amazon or whatever. It's you don't have to have it though for this podcast. Another text is 101 Answers for New Teachers and Their Mentors. And that one is by Annette Bro, I believe is how you say her last name. And then the final book is called The New Teacher Book. And so we'll be referencing each of these three texts throughout today's podcast as well as podcasts throughout the school year.
All right, family, friends. So as Sarah mentioned last week, we, if you were here last week, if you were tuning in, we talked about the seven things affected teachers do every day. And just to give you a sneak peek, those seven things were uh, affected teachers prepare, they treat every student with respect and dignity, they smile, they are good actors, they remain calm and composed, they have clear rules and procedures, and they teach from bell to bell. So we had some great dialogue about that during our first episode. So now we're going to focus on seven things effective teachers don't do. And um, the first one is effective teachers don't yell at or intentionally humiliate students. Ineffective teachers are often heard raising their voices in a desperate attempt to regain the control they so often lose. They also tend to do things like calling on students who are not paying attention in an attempt to embarrass them. Such approaches never breed positive results, so effective teachers don't engage in this type of futile behavior. Um, If you were with me um, this summer, or even in the beginning of this month, we even talked about that this isn't even like an option or an idea. It's actually ingrained in our North Carolina Code of Ethics that we do not intentionally yell or um, embarrass or humiliate students. So that is the very first thing we want to begin with on what um, effective teachers don't do. All right, so the second thing that effective teachers don't do is effective teachers don't gossip. Um, and so we want to we want you guys to really think about like avoiding having the water cooler conversation, avoid that little huddle that occurs with adults where we start to gossip, especially teachers. It'll take place in workrooms. If you haven't heard it yet, yet it might be around your copy machine. If you haven't heard it yet, you probably will. Avoid those conversations that are saying negative things and gossiping about students, about families and parents about other colleagues. Gossiping about others can only serve to harm others. It will never help anyone. It will never produce anything positive. Um, So make sure that you stay away from any conversations that in which you are gossiping or talking negatively about other people. Absolutely. Do not gossip. I love that. That's just a good practice of life, right? That's a life skill. Um, The third a thing that we want effective teachers not to do is we don't want effective teachers to take student behavior personally. In these situations, you we have to remember that you are the adult and you are, are the professional in the room. So a lot of times when students do inappropriate things, usually the, the closest adult or the closest um, accessible adult is going to be the one that gets the backlash, that gets the reaction, that gets the behavior. But just realize effective teachers know that the second they allow students to push their buttons, the students have taken over. So even when their buttons may get pushed on the inside, uh, they never allow students to know this. Their outward behavior is always that of someone in control. And when we say in control, we don't mean controlling the child, but be in control of the situation. So always remember uh, that when a student um, is behaving in a way that you believe is inappropriate, uh, just know, don't take it personal. It doesn't necessarily have to be something you did. It could just be you know, something they're going through and you were just happen to be on the receiving end. So don't take it personally and stay in control in the situation. 
That is awesome. And it reminds me, Crystal, of last week when we talked about how we respond to students and, and that when that we will never de-escalate a student when we are escalated ourselves. And that's a great way, a great reminder for that. Do not take things personally, because if you do, then you will be escalated. And then the, the likelihood of you de-escalating your student is very low. So definitely don't take things personally. Absolutely. Another thing that effective teachers don't do, and I'm kind of having trouble with this like double negative idea, but they don't rely on others to handle problems that could be handled in class. Um, and so you're, you're not going to be calling administration for every problem. And so my first thought here is to number one, get clarification on what that means. When are you, should you contact the administrators and when should you not? Most likely when you should contact an administrator is when somebody is physically or emotionally in danger of some kind. That's when you call an administrator. Outside of that, there are several ways for which you as the teacher can and should handle that situation in the classroom. Every time you call an administrator, and I've seen this happen over and over again, every time you call an administrator, number one, you're sending the message that you don't have control of that classroom, and that's going to impact your future interactions in that classroom. Number two, you're taking away the possibility for a positive interaction with that student. And number three, you're also deteriorating, deteriorating your relationship with that student. If you guys have been around, think back to orientation, think back to um, Crystal's session on relationships, think back, reflect on the last three or four weeks that we've been in school. But one of the, I'm gonna say, the number one strategy for contributing to a positive relationship or to classroom management is to have positive relationships with students. If you want to have a classroom in which students are engaged, work on those relationships. If you have positive relationships with students, you won't have situations that require administrators. I shouldn't, like most of the time, anyways. Um, so really think through that and focus on those relationships. Focus on handling situations in class. There are also other ways that you can handle situations in class, like having a cool down corner. Instead of calling an administrator, can you have something like a cool down corner? have some kind of buddy system with other teachers on your grade level or in your content area where you can send some students to another classroom to, to um, cool down for a bit. There was this one strategy that I saw that I want to share really quickly that I thought was so powerful. This group of teachers, um, I think they called it like the purple folder system, but they had a purple folder that they would each have at any time they had a student who was upset or just needed a break. They would give the student the purple folder and say, can you please take this next door to Mrs. Johnson? And when they took that purple folder to Mrs. Johnson, number one, it gave the student a chance to calm down. Um, it also is, is showing that you trust that student to do something, like go deliver, run an errand for you. That makes them feel good. And then when they went to that other teacher, the teacher knew, oh, this is the purple folder. This means that this child needs a break. And so then that teacher welcomed the child in without making it a big deal. And um, it's just a really, it, for me, that was a really powerful example of how we can de-escalate students, how we can handle situations in our classroom without contacting administrators on our own, in our classrooms, with our partners. Um, Crystal said she needs that in her adult life. Me too. <laughs> I need a purple folder for myself and I need it for other people. Um, so that's a, a big piece of advice. A big thing that effective teachers don't do is that they don't call administrators for everything.
I love that, Sarah. I love that purple folder, um, just having that time to breathe. Uh, I think that is such a great way uh, to de-escalate and not have to contact admin. Uh, the fifth um, topic or thing that we don't want effective teachers to do is effective teachers don't blame or don't play the blame game. So uh, whether that's blaming the parents or whether that's blaming administration or whether that's blaming um, other stakeholders in the district, uh, we don't uh, effective teachers don't play the bl blame game. I know that sometimes, especially in this climate of having to deal with so many outside changes as well as um, just, you know, pandemic changes and life changes. Some of you who may have just um, gradu recently graduated uh, from college or recently located, we are all dealing with so many different things in our, all, in our own personal lives as well as our professional lives. And sometimes when we have a life that's just so jam-packed with things, we could definitely begin to point fingers at people who may not even deserve it. When effective teachers blame parents or society, you know, that really creates not only a um, bad, it gives you a bad perspective in your mind of the people who are really here to support you, but it also disturbs the climate in which you're in. So if you, you know, misery loves company. So if you have one person who is saying, you know, well, if my principal just did this, or if my parents would just come to the meeting, or if my students would just, you know, sit down and let me get through a lesson, then that can easily be caught on. And before you even know it, you can have a culture or a grade level or a school level who falls into that and blame and blame others uh, for things that may be out of their control or things that can be talked about and, you know, handled and settled. To go in knowing that teaching is challenging and welcoming those challenges will continue to build your growth mindset. It will provide opportunities for growth and it will provide opportunities for growth for your students. Less effective teachers act as though their hands are tied and that until society changes, parents change and their administrators change, they are helpless to make a difference in their classrooms. And that's definitely not the case. Everybody who has agreed or anybody who's agreed to work with children and feel strongly about that passion are already game changers, are already change agents. So just know instead of beginning to blame people, think about ways like hey, you know what, what I'm in is really challenging, but what can I do? Maybe I can spearhead a solution. Maybe I can talk with other people to come up with a solution. But definitely effective teachers for sure stay away from the blame game. So good, I hope you guys are taking note. The sixth thing is effective teachers don't stop learning. And I love this one. We emphasize this all of the time that there will never be a point where you can say, I have arrived as a teacher. I have mastered the art of teaching. I have learned everything there is to learn about it. That will never happen. No one has ever done that. No one's ever arrived at that point and no one ever will. If you get to a point where you are no longer learning something new, honestly, it might be a sign that it's time to exit the profession because there is so always something to be learning. And when we decide that we have arrived, then we are hurting our students, we're hurting those around us. It just won't happen. So always have a growth mindset, always be open to learning, invite feedback. We talk a lot about fostering a healthy relationship with feedback early on. If you can do that, it's going to set you up for success as a teacher. 
I encourage teachers to even, and I saw this once and thought it was amazing, to put a sign outside of your door that says, in this class, we are open to feedback. We love it, we want it. Please come in my classroom and give me some. And that would be just letting people know that you value feedback, that you want to grow, you want to become better, you recognize that you are always, there's always something to learn. So always have a have a open mind to feedback and never get to a place where you feel like I just don't need to learn anymore. Absolutely. Feedback, feedback me, honey, because I'm always trying to get better. That's so good, Sarah. Y'all, Sarah B, I love having her around. So the final um, thing that effective teachers don't do is this is this is a biggie, y'all, because this is really why we're here. We're here for students. Effective teachers don't give up on any student. I can't tell you how many of my adult friends uh, can remember when a student, when a teacher gave up on them and they're in their early 30s, late 40s, and they can specifically remember that and they'll have a story. My teachers thought I couldn't do this, but now I'm doing it. And even though I'm celebrating with them and their victory that they were able to you know, you know, pass doubt and and reach their goals. It still kind of saddens me that there was a teacher who doubted them in the first place. Uh, so we definitely don't want you to have that narrative. So no matter what a student does, says, or does not do, effective teachers have no stopping point. If I was in church, I'll say, turn over to your neighbor and say, no stopping point. They don't throw their hands up in the air and say, I give up. You know, that student. You know, they're just not going to get it. That student's not going anywhere. That's not what we do. That's not what we're about. They actually believe that every student is capable and they treat each student that way. Students know that these teachers will stop at nothing to help them succeed and that giving up is simply not an option. So I hope that everyone on this call is in agreement with me. I hope there's imaginary head nods that I can't see right now, but hopefully there's a lot of people behind uh, who are listening and on this live call who are truly passionate about giving up not being an option. So make sure that uh, whether whatever is going on in your classroom, make sure that that student knows that their teacher is someone who believes in them through and through. I was nodding my head up and down. I'm sure that everyone else was. That was awesome, Crystal. All right, we're going to move on from seven things effective teachers don't do to provide a really quick tip, and we just call this our pro tip, for a teacher. Something that can that you can implement tomorrow, something that's effective, and something that will just kind of make your lives a little bit easier. So here's our pro tip for this week. Manage your time wisely. Ask yourself, how much time do I set aside each day for uninterrupted planning and grading? If you do not have a certain amount of time set aside in your day for uninterrupted planning or grading or or time focused on students, then figure out where you can get that in there. Plug that into your schedule somewhere where you have at least 20 minutes of uninterrupted time. That might mean sacrificing time in the workroom or the wherever your um, teacher friends are to talk during planning or, or during lunch or during recess. It might mean that you need to kind of step away from them and go to actually have some uninterrupted time. But make sure you put that in your schedule so that you're not having to take stuff home, so that you're able to stay on top of everything, which takes me to the next pro tip, which is to put off procrastinating. Don't wait until tomorrow. If you ever get that advice from somebody else, ignore it. If you ever feel yourself telling yourself that, ignore it. Remind yourself that that is not what effective teachers do. We don't put off things that we need to do today. 
it goes back to what we talked about last week. One of the um, things that effective teachers do is prepare, prepare, prepare. And so that means preparing and making your copies, your lesson plans, backup plans for your lesson plans, um, have it all ready before you leave school. I used to always get everything done on a Friday before I would go home for the next week. Um, and so make sure that you guys are not procrastinating because that pile will get bigger and bigger and you will get to a point where you can't get to it all. Um, and that's truly when students suffer. That's truly when your home and life balance suffers, um, your work-life balance, I should say, suffers. Um, so we want to make sure that you guys are taking care of yourselves and your families and being the best teacher that you can be. So make sure you're tackling things as they come up. And then finally, understand that teaching is hard work. Most likely when you guys told people, hey, I'm gonna teach for a job, you probably got some responses that were like, oh, that must be nice, you're gonna have summers off. That's gonna be easy, you're gonna be done at three o'clock every day. If you haven't heard that yet, most likely you will. And you already know, because you've been doing it for a month, that that is not the case, that this is one of the toughest professions that there is, but also one of the most rewarding. And so I want to read this really quickly. Um, it's going to read verbatim from the book, from the 101 Answers for New Teachers and Their Mentors. It says, please understand that teaching is hard work. The road will be rocky at times. You will stumble and fall on occasion. You may even bleed a little. But remember that nothing worthwhile comes easily. The rewards of teaching far outweigh the demands. You will know this the first time you make a student smile, the first time you receive a sweaty hug, the first time you dry a student's tears on your shirt sleeve, the first time you open a present with crinkled wrapping paper and way too much tape, and any time you witness the slightest or greatest of achievements and the least or greatest of efforts from the students whose lives you are helping to shape. Yes, teaching is hard work, and the title teacher is reserved only for those willing to rise to its many challenges, to give up themselves completely, and to be humble enough to accept with dignity, grace, and resolution, resolute determination, it's tremendous responsibilities. If you are listening to this, then you are already one of those chosen few. So understand, teaching is hard work. Uh, we are not going to even pretend like it's not, but it's so worth it. Wow, mic drop. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Uh, definitely going to be utilizing those tips uh, for the rest of, for the rest of my week, at least. Uh, going along with, you know, managing time, we have your um, ask yourself, and our ask yourself is, do I tend to put things off until the last minute? How much time do I set aside each day for uninterrupted planning and grading, away from any distractions of just me focusing on my students? What steps can I take to begin staying ahead of, or at least, keeping in step with my workload. So time is such an interesting factor. You know, it's all we have and it's also what we uh, all we it's also what we don't have enough of. So time management is definitely um as uh, Sarah kind of alluded to, uh, can definitely be a factor in uh, how much time you have with your family, how much time um, you have with your friends, or how much time you have with yourself. So ask yourself this week, or just pause now um, in reflection, and just think about, kind of rate yourself. How am I doing with time management? And if it's seeing, if you're kind of rating yourself kind of low, um, think about some of these questions I just asked, and think about how you can um, make dedicated decisions um, with your time, on your calendar so that you have opportunities to um, 
you know, uh, excel at your work, but also excel at having your own life as well. So um, think about those as you continue throughout the week. So our equity talk we're going to have is going to be wrapped around our seven things effective teachers don't do. Um, Last week, we kind of talked about how um, equity ties in with the seven things effective teachers do do. So I'm going to drop uh, for those who are live, just a reminder of our equity self-check that we are um, using in GCS just to kind of jog and make you think about just equity in general. But I kind of want to talk about thinking about those seven things that we just discussed that seven effective teachers don't do. So they don't yell and intentionally humiliate. They don't gossip. They don't take student behavior personally. They don't rely on others to handle problems that could be handled in class. They don't play the blame game, they don't stop learning, and they don't give up on any student. So when you're thinking about those seven things we reviewed, think about how those those things contribute to an equitable learning environment. I know just thinking right off for me, Sarah, I'm thinking about how uh, when we're thinking about not yelling at students, and, you know, not taking things personally. It makes me think about, you know, ensuring that we take time to listen to students' perspective. Um, A lot of times when we're trying to discipline children, uh, work with children, sometimes their perspective can get lost. And maybe whatever we're upset about might be a complete misunderstanding or there might be an underlying factor that's causing a reaction. So one of the questions on the equity self-check is, do I take time to listen to the student's perspective? Um, So I think that's definitely something to think about. Yeah, I agree. And I think all of the questions... It was hard. I tried to pull out some that were really relevant for today's, for the seven things effective teachers don't do, and I really feel like a lot of them align perfectly to that, and they kind of explain, like, if I'm an effective teacher, I am someone who is aware of these questions, like Christina. She has this up on her bulletin board. That's an amazing idea. Have it up somewhere near you where you can see it. If you're an effective teacher, you are somebody who is reflective and who is honest with yourself, who is self-aware. You have you are intentional about building relationships with students. And so all of these questions on this self-check are going to be help you to become effective. They're going to help you to not do the things that were on the list today, or I guess to do. The double negative today is throwing off. Um, so with the behavior piece, with calling administrators, with not being willing to handle things in our classroom that can be handled by, that we can handle ourselves, there's a lot of questions that align to that. Specifically, what causes students' behavior? Have I thought through that before I call somebody? Have I, what steps did I take to mitigate the behavior? If my first reaction is to pick up the phone, I have missed a lot of really crucial steps. And in doing so, I have created an inequitable learning environment because now I'm about to remove this student from my classroom. This student will not be learning, will not have opportunities to engage in conversation with me or, my, or his or her peers. And so they're missing out on opportunities to learn. And I could have prevented that possibly by taking other steps, by looking at these questions on this equity self-check and really done some digging and thinking and acted on behalf of the student rather than on behalf of my own discomfort. Because that's often what we feel as teachers. We feel uncomfortable by a situation in our classroom. We are fearful that it will get out of control. And so we call a administrator or somebody around us to help us out before we really take time to decompress and to think through what we personally have control over and how we can change the situation before it goes in a negative direction. 
So definitely have these questions out, have them posted um, so that you are not doing or doing or whatever the things from today's list. Benediction, sermonic selection, you know, congregational hymn. You, you, hey, you, <laughs> took, us, you, you took us to church, but I would definitely say, um, oh, we have um, Justice, she jumped in. Uh, one of our listeners, um, she said, I think it enables people to treat students more than just a student who's there to only learn academics. They need a teacher who wants to engage uh, in who they are as a person so that they get the best learning outcome in a way that suits them. And I definitely agree with that justice. Absolutely. So, yeah, good stuff. So for our self-care tip, um, some of you may think these self-care tips are pretty like, of course, I know this, but sometimes, especially, I don't know about y'all, but when I was at the house, uh, all, you know, you know, 2020 and having to be on lockdown and things like that, uh, you know, it was really difficult to um, do some of these very simple things that we have listed. Um, so it says uh, self-care, surviving the season of sacrifice. Um, and we're going to focus on paying attention to your um, nutrition and um, hydration. Um, so the first thing is, is um, don't skip meals. Um, so, you know, a lot of us, our time, if you're in elementary school, um, you may have to report at 7 or 7.15. So that means you may be waking up at 5.30, uh, quarter to 6. And it's so easy uh, to skip breakfast. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, um, you know, starting your day on fumes um, can lead to more fumes when you get in the classroom. Um, hangry is real. Hungry and angry is a real thing. So make sure that you get a healthy um, and balanced breakfast um, in the morning and make sure you're keeping yourself, you know, nourished and um, keeping your energy up. P plan ahead. Absolutely. And pack your food and water, honey. Uh, keep a food journal. Think about what you're eating. I know for me, when I eat bad, I feel bad. So uh, keep a food journal and kind of think about what are you, what were you eating? If you look at your journal and say, oh my gosh, I snacked my way all the way through September. Uh, think about, again, doing that pre-planning or, you know, if you're eating a lot of, um, if you're not getting a lot of veggies in or a lot of fruit in, I mean, take an assessment of yourself and kind of think about what are you doing? Are you you know, did every day, did you think drink three sodas or, you know, just think, you know, being able to look at your, your patterns in your eating will definitely help you be able to see where you can make those necessary changes. And of course, drink more water. I, you know, water to me is just like money. It's an investment in your body. Um, so take that time. If you want to get you a jug, I know they have those jugs where it's encouraging you every amount till you get to the end. Um, make sure you're drinking um, more water because I think as teachers, we think about I have to be prepared. Prepared means I know what my lesson is for today. I know what I'm teaching today. I know what meetings I have today. But actually being prepared is also taking care of the body that's going to teach those lessons and that's going to those meetings. Um, so make sure that you're taking the time to be healthy, um, drink water, and keep track of your, of your eating and drinking habits. Yeah, so good. You had some good um, truth bombs there. Crystal, you said water is an investment in your body. And bad eating, you know what you say? When you eat bad, you feel bad. I can relate. I'm trying to keep up with you, Sarah. I'm trying to keep up with you, girl. <laughs> All right, you guys, We it is 439, and so we uh, want to be mindful of your time. And um, so thank you guys for joining us today. 
If you are somebody who was required to attend for orientation today, or if it's one of your one of your requirements, I should say, not that you're required to attend, um, please email me this code. Don't stop learning. If you are listening after the fact, um, or if you're listening now, you can email that to me. Email me the code. Don't stop learning, and then I will know that you listened to today's podcast, and I will mark you off on our orientation chart. Um, we wish you guys a wonderful week and a wonderful um, couple weeks, actually, until we see you all again. We will be back on October 13th at 4 o'clock. Um, we hope you can join us live, as always. But, of course, if you can't, we will be sure to send you the podcast. And we appreciate you all. And don't forget the feedback, friends. We said in our podcast, look, we just don't say and not do. We welcome feedback. Uh, we said that in our podcast today. So we definitely uh, want it. So uh, whenever you're listening, uh, whether it's later, uh, whether it's on the go, uh, we definitely want to hear your feedback.